0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. What is music therapy? What is it used to treat? And what goes on during a music therapy session? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. listen to music for different reasons. You might be going to work, you need a little pick-me-up. You're listening to 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. You might be getting ready to go to the gym. I don't know what gets you pumped up, but maybe it's heavy metal. I, that's not my vibe, but maybe it's yours. But we can all agree that music really does affect how we perform, how we think, and our emotions. When you think of therapy, you might be picturing someone laying on a nice chair talking to a therapist who's writing down notes. But there is a world where those two things can come together, and that's where you get music therapy. Just like its name suggests, music therapy utilizes things like rhythms, sounds, and tunes to help relieve patients' conditions and overall improve their lives. So how does one become a music therapist? How do you know if music therapy is right for you? And what does the future of music therapy look like. Well, here to explain all of this and more is music therapist and founder of Oak Song Music Therapy, Amy Standridge. And
1: Amy is kind enough to join me now. Amy, what's going on? Nothing much. We're having some nice weather here in San Antonio. So it's nice to nice to be a San Antonian, a uh, San Antonian today.
0: Texas is the best. I mean, we're talking about music therapy, but there are natural sights and sounds as well in in Texas that make me happy. So <laughs> I can just sit outside and listen all day long. Yeah, it's lovely. Well, I'm glad that you're joining me now. Uh, I I love this topic. We were kind of chatting before we started recording, and I have been obsessed with the idea of music therapy for such a long time, just because our brain reacts to different stimuli in a bunch of different ways. But I want to know how music affects the brain, because that's your expertise. You've been doing this for almost 25 years. So let's just start, actually, with how did you get into music therapy?
1: Yeah. Uh, So let's see. I was about 24 years old. I was working in a nightclub in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, working in a radio chemistry laboratory as an administrative assistant, kind of just trying to find out what I wanted to be when I grew up. I still don't really know, by the way, Um, (laughs) but uh, my mom actually read about music therapy in a book and told me about it. She knew that I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. It's fun to work in a nightclub, but you know, I didn't really want to do that when I was my age now. So I happened to have a music therapy program in that city where I lived in Charleston, South Carolina. So I started courses right away and I was hooked. It made sense to me and I never looked back.
0: Well, I guess working in a nightclub, it kind of translates because there's music all the time in that's nightclubs. That's true. So you that's might true. have noticed uh, how that was affecting how you felt. Maybe. Maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Well, that's such an interesting story. I love that. And and now, you know, you, you've still been doing it. And what, I guess, is music therapy for people who don't know mm-hmm. or, you know, you can kind of assume what it is, but more scientifically, what,
1: what yeah. does it do? Well, before I um, before I launch into the definition, I I did want I should have mentioned that I was a musician already. So um, wow. music therapists do have a background in music, and, and that's part of the degree. You need to be able to be a functional musician on whatever your instrument. So music therapy began in the 1950s. I mean, music has always been been therapeutic, but in the 1950s they found that veterans from World War II in the hospital would heal faster and be discharged faster if they had access to music. Music in the hospital. And so that seemed like a great thing to, to investigate further. And so that's when music therapy as a field really started. The American Music Therapy Association is our national association. And it, the definition of music therapy is a clinical and evidence based use of music interventions within to address a, a individualized goals and objectives within a therapeutic relationship by a credentialed professional. It's very wordy. Wow. But <laughs> I need music therapy just to help me remember woo, that definition. <laughs> I know. So the bottom line it, it is it is research-based. Um, there's a lot of wonderful research about the effects of music on the brain and human behavior. Um, it is an established allied profession. You do have to be a qualified professional. And we do ad- address goals and objectives where a music entertainer or a musician might go and perform. Our goals and objectives are to involve our clients in the music making. We're going to be working on whatever goals and objectives we have set for them, whether it's communication or um, social interaction or memory or physical rehabilitation. Uh, I work primarily uh, with people living with dementia and their care partners. And so the kinds of goals that we're working on are different than you would work on with a small child. Um, But we do address individualized we find that out in an assessment so it's a very yeah
0: I'm glad that you bring this up because that is what intrigued me from the beginning, because, you know, music, it it causes all type of emotions, nostalgia, happiness, sadness, excitement. But then there's another aspect of music that can actually target different parts of your brain. Absolutely. Yeah. So is that will you break that down for me a little bit more? Maybe when it comes to your dementia patients, if you have someone who might have had a stroke, Mm -hmm. how do you use
1: music to help people like that? Well, the beautiful thing about music is that it's a whole brain activity. So it doesn't just focus on one area of your brain where speech might focus in one area. Music is connect interconnected. And of course, it, speech is not that that simple. I'm making that sound too simple, but, um, but the, but music is on um, both auditory. It's visual. If you're at a concert or if you, if it brings up memories and images in your mind, you're visualizing that, which is a different area of your brain, meaning in music, um, emotion in music that's a limbic system and movement and music rhythm in particular is processed very basically in the brainstem so music can help with gait rehabilitation or physical rehabilitation like in the case of a stroke or a traumatic brain injury like you mentioned um, and on top of all that is it's fun it's very supported scientifically but it doesn't feel like um science when you're doing, I mean, the arts and sciences are very intricately combined, but so it's fun. And I think that's important too, because I like to have fun.
0: <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I, and that's, I, it sounds like it's fun to be able to go to this kind of therapy because you go to like occupational therapy, maybe rehab, those things all take, take a kind of not pain, but you know, it, it's tough. And I'm sure music therapy is as well, but it's also, I'm sure, very therapeutic to your patients who okay. are experiencing those different sounds and,
1: and, yeah. and feeling those emotions. Especially in my work with people with dementia, that music is something that lasts into your brain and your memory, your very cells, remember, because it's encoded emotionally. If you think about happy birthday, you know, you heard that when you were a young child and if you like birthdays, which I do, that might bring back great memories for you or your song from your wedding or your song um, that you used to jam to on your way to work when you were working. Let's say you're, you're retired or you've been forced to leave your, your job because of dementia. Um, and it's humanizing in that way, too, because you can still access it. It's still relatable. And so that's one of the reasons why in my population, it's very, um, very salient, very effective and very mm-hmm. comforting too. dementia is hard. Oh, nice. I, I can't even imagine. Hey.
0: So w- how do you know what kind of music then to use when you're in
1: different situations huh. with your patients? Yeah. Well, one, I never use anything that somebody doesn't like that does not benefit (laughs) Um, so heavy metal for people who love country music. (laughs) That's right. Unless they want to, I, I had a particular client once, this was a long time ago. He was a younger man with a traumatic brain injury and he was relaxed to Metallica. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I could relate a, a little bit and that's, I sort of like that kind of music from my college days, but, um, but yeah, so it just depends on what the person is interested in. Like you said, I mean, some people are especially, um, memory have especially strong memories of hymns and sacred music some people from different cultures have great memories from their own cultural music which is another great reason to use music because it can bridge cultures if you learn it effectively um and also um typically when people it's the the research shows that the kind of music you really enjoy is the music that you listen to when you are between the ages of 10 and 30. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, no th- way. That's I'm what trying it says. I remember what I listen to. I know. And <laughs> but that's not really true with me cuz I was I was um if I if I was when I was 10 and 80. So I've got, you know, 80s music which eh, fine, you know, <laughs> and 90s music mm, um I love 70s music yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite kind of music. But that's um, interesting.
0: I I mm-hmm. feel like you know, ten to thirty. That's that's a long time, and, yeah. and you evolve. I think when I was ten, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm a little bit odd. I listened to big band music growing up. <laughs> I love I love big band music. Yeah. I also loved Earth Wind and Fire. I loved oh, you yeah. know. But but then now country has been the la- my life probably my entire life. So mm-hmm. love country music. So I'm I'm thinking about what would make me feel certain ways. Yeah. Do you always well, pick songs that are music that makes people feel comforted? I mean, what 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 is the game plan when someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm struggling with this. What what can we do?
1: Well, it depends on the goals that you're working on. So if you're if you're working on, um, let's say somebody is uh, has some depression going on, it happens in in older adults as well as, you know, younger people. But um, you might be working on goals such as um, increased positive cognition, like increased positive memory recall. Um, and in that situation, you wouldn't, you wouldn't choose a piece of music that was very incongruent with that person's current experience. So for example, um, when I'm working with somebody who's a little bit agitated and maybe they're scowling a little bit and frowning, and I can tell they're, they're nervous or upset. Um, I'm not going to start by playing an upbeat, happy, you know, polka tune, cause they're going to be, it's going to make them mad. Mm-hmm. I think I would want that. So what I would do is I would start with kind of where they were. If they were anxious, I might play some music was that maybe in a minor mode or maybe with a lot of dissonance and tension. um, And then gradually shift that music towards the desired mood, desired mood. Um, So that's one example of how you might shift and use different kinds of music.
0: That's interesting. Uh, to, mm-hmm. I want to just interrupt you really quickly, if I may, because I, it reminded me of something. I walked in on one of my friends once, and she was having a hard time, and she was listening to really sad music. And I was like, "Hey, you got to turn this off because you're crying listening to this music, and it's just playing into your mood." But yeah. you're saying that that could actually be therapeutic. Yes. Well, because you're hurt. I apologize to that friend. Yeah. I like, sorry. Hey, we got to flip the switch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And music can also be harmful. It can be triggering, you know? So you need to be careful as a music therapist. If you introduce a song that maybe makes someone very emotional, uh, amazing grace is one of those that's often played at funerals. People really love it and request it, but there's always, uh, there's frequently somebody in your group who starts to cry. And you need to be able to uh, be able to comfort them, listen to them, reflect to them what they're feeling. Oh, you're fine. You know, you would never just just um poo poo somebody's emotion. Um i am try to think of a different word, but that's what I came up with. Poo-poo. Poo-poo is uh, a good word. I, that is, I think that's yeah. the dictionary, right? Yeah. <laughs> or shame. You know, you may might feel ashamed if it's a happy song and they are not feeling really happy. They might feel, mm. you know, isolated or excluded or like they can't share. And so how so do there you know are... that
0: though? I mean, if you're if you're in a session with someone, hmm. let's say you're treating depression and you play a song that maybe it reminds them of happy times when they were Mm -hmm. in high school Mm -hmm. and you see that do you look for their uh kind of how they react physically i mean uh, how do you assess that because someone might be like oh wow that that brings me back to a really Mm -hmm. happy time but then you're reminded that you're in this time that you're no longer in that happy mood so it Mm -hmm. might kind of have the have the adverse reaction
1: yes um you know sometimes if your flying is verbal they'll tell you and you can shift the energy or you can talk about let's talk about it you know music accesses emotions in a way that language doesn't always, uh, but we still have access in many situations to that kind of language where you could process that. What does that bring up for you? How does that make you feel? Um, What, what could you have done? You know, if there's some regret, what could you have done differently? What what might you do differently next time, you know, or validating that music can bring back both happy and sad memories at the same time. How does that look? And, Mm -hmm. um, in the case of somebody with dementia in the later stages, you can tell by maybe facial expression, frowning, um, or eyes open if they really are relating to what you're singing. So yeah, and you gauge this, you gauge it through body language, you ga- gauge it through, um, spoken language and, then you move, move, move on from there as best you can according to their goals and objectives. So if the objective is to come up with more positive cognitions about your life, you know, that might be a way to access those.
0: All right. We've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. again, I have no backing in any neuroscience at all, but I, I love to learn about kind of the neurological connections that our brain is constantly making. And um, I'm curious about how music plays a role in that. I mean, what, what happens to somebody's brain when you play a song? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, one of the things is, like I mentioned before, that since music is the whole brain activity, all sorts of, if you were had somebody in a pet, scan, you see all sorts of different colors, areas of their brain that have been stimulated um, and different brain imaging tests. I should have brushed up on those. I'm not a neurosur- neurosurgeon, although I, I am fascinated by neuroscience, um, but you would see all sorts of different levels of activation. And you mm-hmm. might see activation in areas where you wouldn't, where you might not Consider So, for example, let's say you played a piece of classical music to someone who had been in the past or was a classical pianist, they're going to have different brain activation than somebody that just listens to, mu- to classical music socially, because they're going to have all sorts of other associations with it. They're going to have the visual. They're going to maybe see the music in front of them. They're going to remember how it felt to perform it. You know, it can be very complicated. So it really just depends on the person experience with that music in other times in their lifetime.
0: You mentioned anxiety, depression, dementia. What kind of other things is music therapy hmm. used to treat? Yeah,
1: well, um, premature infants. We'll start at the beginning premature infants there's a nicu music therapy that specializes at uh, the florida state university has done a lot of research on that um and it, it can improve sucking reflex in newborns who are need to eat more it can increase pulse oxygenation oxygen levels if you need that, um, of course, you need to be careful with the newborns and, and uh, preemies because their ears are small and you can't be loud. So you have to be aware of those kinds of things. Uh, preschoolers, maybe who are working on social skills, uh, maybe a school age child with Down syndrome or autism who's working on self-regulation and understanding themselves better, uh, sharing with others. You could find somebody who had um, Going, just going upwards at my teenager who was experiencing depression, like we mas- mentioned, traumatic brain injury, um, say that in your twenties, schizophrenia, um, depre- all, all sorts of different kinds of depression, mental health issues, and substance abuse. And I mean, it's really the sky is the limit. Um, I just came from a, a training, a drumming training um, that was really amazing, and uh, lots of different population groups, demographical groups that were people were working with from birth wow. to grave. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, it, this is it's so wide ranging, and uh, the types of things you can target with music therapy is just mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. I'm curious. You bring up newborns and maybe baby, <laughs> um you know babies. We can. We can really target their brains in different ways, too, because I am i can imagine it's mm-hmm. their brains are still so malleable. I mean, you're mm-hmm. creating a human being. So for mm-hmm. someone who has yet to experience life and hear music for the first time, what kind of songs do you target? do use to target their brain because Mm -hmm. they don't have any memories of, oh, I loved, loved, you know, 80s music or
1: something like that. (laughs) I hope not. So, Well, (laughs) one of the things, one of the things is babies in the womb, they hear the music their mom's listening to, their parents are listening to, their loved ones are listening to. I know my daughter, I had a music therapy client who was school age and she loved the song Polly Wolly Doodle. (laughs) So we sang Polly Wolly Doodle a lot. Oh. And when my daughter was, you know, a baby, maybe not a brand new two day old newborn, but when she was, you know, eight months, 12 months, when I, when she would hear that song, she would start to kick and move her arms more. I, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't in her brain. I didn't have access to MRI, but, wow. but I think it's she was At least the mom wasn't to listening
0: it. to like Cardi B or something. Yeah. Right. Well, no, I wasn't,
1: <laughs> I wasn't, but like, yeah. So, um, and then also we we're born with so many more neural connections than we have now not because we're getting older but because we've the brain prunes some of those out because you don't need all of those and mm-hmm. so a newborn brain is going to have a lot more it's uh, more of a not a blank slate but it has more um you know less patterns of behavior and listening and life experience mm-hmm. when we don't use those neurons as we grow up we don't need them anymore and so they're they die or they're replaced with a new, you know, a new connection.
0: Can the type of music that you listen to as a kid, can that affect how you deal with different problems as an adult?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I guess it depends on the person. I'm sure. I'm sure it could, you know, I don't know if this is a myth, but
0: I remember when I was younger, there was this whole thing that if you had a a younger kid, with a developing brain, if you have played Mozart to them and they were falling asleep, they were more likely to be intelligent or something like that. I don't know. If that yeah. was just something
1: that I was told, but... Well, yeah. It is. It's not, it, it, yes. Is it work? I mean... I. Yes. No, not really. I mean, I don't think the (laughs) science behind it really proved that. And again, you know, since I, um, since I work with much older people, um, I don't have my finger on the pulse of all of that information right now, Mm -hmm. but yes, that is something that people have said. It's called the Mozart effect. Yes. Um, But you know, we don't know whether, you know, so as opposed, it was very specific. I think, I believe that research, it was listening to Mozart, I think, I think improved your visual spatial skills. I don't Ah. think it was an all encompassing made you smarter. I think it improved your visual spatial skills. If that's, did I say that right? That just shows how
0: influential music can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are there different types of music therapy?
1: Yes, for sure. What are they? So one would be considered improvisational music therapy, where you use a lot of instrumental music back and forth music therapists. Most always involve the client and, or the, or the patient or the student, whatever you call them, um, in active music making. Otherwise, it's just in music listening is an important part of that, but Mm -hmm. we're engaging other people in listening and participating in music. So, um, some music therapists take a very improvisational approach with less words and more music. Some are more behavioral, causal. You know, if you do A, you get B. Um, and how do we make those connections? Um, neuro, let's see, neurologic music therapy is a specific field of music therapy called NMT, neurologic music therapy. Um, I had my, my master's degree, um, in music therapy from Colorado State University, and that is their method that, that they're really, um, passionate about. And, um, I use some of that as well. I'm more eclectic and some other therapists are because not everybody responds to the same. It depends on your client base. Um, and I'm sure I'm I'm leaving something out: humanistic, music-centered, person-centered. Yes, there are tons of different different kinds of um, a- different approaches. Let's say mm-hmm. it's all music therapy. Different approaches.
0: When you talk about creating music for a specific person, a client, whoever it may be, or maybe it's for a broad range of people, do you think about the kind of notes or like, I know there are binaural beats and different mm-hmm. sounds and mm-hmm. um, do you... Is that how you create the music that is going to target these
1: different issues? Sometimes, yes. I mean, we don't use recorded music, but you're on to something. You're very intuitive, Abby. <laughs> I um, don't know about that. Yeah. But <laughs> in a, in a NMT, Neurologic Music Therapy, like I mentioned, um, there's something called pattern sensory enhancement. And what that just means is that melody, harmony, timbre, rhythm can shape movement and behavior. So for example, um, if you're Encouraging somebody, let's say uh, somebody is recovery from a stroke or a brain injury and they're learning to go up the steps. You're not going to play along a descending melody as they're ascending the steps. Oh. You're going to reflect the movement in the, in the melody or the rhythm. So, um, in rhythmic auditory stimulation for gait rehabilitation, you use the rhythm, you match the person's cadence. That's very, very powerful in Parkinson's disease. And stroke and traumatic brain injury can help with gait because walking is a very rhythmic behavior. Um, And so, rhythm is one thing that you would really use to shape that behavior because you're not going to play something fast when their gait is slow. Mm. Um, And even things like, so, for example, I, uh, one of the things that I do in my work is um, I have a choir for people living with dementia and their care partners. And we're a performing choir now that we're back together in person from COVID. So we recently wrote a song together and one of our care partners, uh, wrote the lyrics to a song and we put that in music. Well, some of the words in the, in the, um, in the poem that he wrote are river and flow. Um, and so those kinds of words you would put a flowy melody to, you know, you wouldn't say it's, it flows. And that's staccato because flowing is not staccato. Flowing is legato. You might go, you know, it's low. You know, that's a more of a picture of what flowing looks like. So, oh. so you might use all of those different elements, um, dissonance when, when music sounds, um, I don't want to say painful, but very dissonant, very uh, in disagreement with the notes are in disagreement with one another that can kind of bring tension and consonance or harmony. will relieve that tension because it's more of an open texture. So there, yeah, so you're right. There's so many different aspects of music that so we with would something,
0: use. With something like a river, do you use that for people? I mean, I, when I think about water, I think about nature, I think about mm-hmm. you know, just floating down a river and it's more tranquil of a feeling for me when I hear something like that. So is that what you think about when you use these different elements yeah. of maybe nature, birds chirping, things like that?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Oh. that's incredible yeah there's a you mentioned you enjoy classical music there's something called program music where notes and melodies and harmonies well actually this is more than just this went back into you know program music I, i believe if i remember from my music history it's sort of more of a romantic music where classical is very much more a little bit more structured um but you might hear you know a, a flute to symbolize a bird flying, or, um, there's a piece that I love called the Moldau from Bedrick Smetna. And, um, it starts out as a river and it's very flowy, the music. And as the song progresses, sometimes it becomes louder. Sometimes there's a da- dance seat behind it. It symbolizes like a, a riverside side, you know, dance party or a wedding or a celebration. And then it might get slower and more mellow. And those just bring up associations for people, like you mentioned, um, nature or parties or dancing or just the of the limit, depending on the person's experience.
0: All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. When you perform music therapy on someone, I know you mentioned kind of at the beginning of this podcast about how there's a visual aspect to it as well. Mm -hmm. I think about movies and, uh, you know, when you listen to a movie score, it could be a really intense moment visually on the screen. But yeah. if there's, you know, kind of upbeat music, it becomes almost comical. And yeah. you can really influence the way someone thinks about what they're seeing with music. So Absolutely. does that translate at all in the line of work that you do?
1: Mm. Well, you know, I don't do a lot of work with visuals in my job, in my career, you know, my career, I'm, a, I'm in private practice. So I, like I said, I work with care partners and people living with dementia. Um, and so we are addressing a different kind of different goals than you might, you know, we would address with different, uh, a different population, but, um, absolutely. You use, we use everything accessible to us. It really just depends on the person and their, like I said, their experience and their need. Mm-hmm. Um, what what yeah.
0: benefit does music therapy have for patients opposed to other types of therapy? I mean, mm-hmm. What's the psychology behind the way music affects the brain?
1: So one of the benefits of music therapy is that music is uh, sub-language level. So you don't need to have language to access it and to enjoy it and to benefit from it. So if you're working with somebody who is no longer verbal and can't process verbally what they're feeling and experiencing... Music might bring a back, bring back some facial affect where you can kind of read what they're thinking and feeling. Mm. You can't read what they're, I can't read what they're thinking, but maybe what they're feeling, <laughs> you psychic? know, no, no, That's a different no. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't invite me back for that one. <laughs> um, yes, you might be able to read what it from their body language, their experience. Um, so as I mentioned, I was at the strumming workshop over the weekend and, and just the physical act of participating in a musical activity, especially with something as accessible as drumming with a hand, with a hand drum, you don't have to be the drummer for, you know deaf leopard to death aging myself uh, to to benefit from drumming. So just a physical expression can get around. Limit Some of the limitations of words, if that makes sense. Mm. And, and even in talk therapy, let's say you are, work, are working with somebody who's experiencing depression. Uh, one thing that happens with depression is a flat affect. You know, it's, things, and things aren't enjoyable anymore in some cases. And so you're no longer, you can't really, you don't really have a lot of facial expression. Or you may feel tired and withdrawn and that's reflected in your face. Um, but perhaps music will be accessible in a different way, a subcognitive way, uh, feelings, emotions that might um, be able to get somebody out of that position where they they can't think of anything positive because they're very flat and sad and depressed. Um, but music might bring back some positive associations and memories that would um, at least give the person something to talk about or experiencing, experience their emotions in a different way through music.
0: Okay. So you're saying that because if they hear something, they might have a positive association with to it from the past. And then that will help them maybe describe how they're feeling if they don't know how I to so. otherwise do so.
1: I think so. I think so. I think it awakens, you know, there's a music. Soups, oh, I shouldn't have even started that. That saying, cause I don't know if it's the savage beast or the savage breast. People say mm-hmm. it in a different way. So, uh, but I'll say beast. So, music soothes the savage beast. Um, it soothes it. It makes you feel, like we mentioned before, comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, yeah, I think because it's comforting, it can be comforting. It yeah. also, yeah. Does music
0: therapy, if you're talking about um, maybe a patient who, I mean, dementia, that's an unfortunate an unfortunate thing that is, you know, it mm-hmm. impacts you for once you have it, you know, it impacts you for the rest of your life. But something that maybe could be fixed if, if you had a stroke and, mm-hmm. and you're learning how to speak again mm-hmm. or something like that, or you're learning how to walk after a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Is music therapy something that can help long term? I mean, is it? Oh. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Is it something that just makes you feel better in the moment while the I'm moment. sitting across from you talking to you and listening to the right. music or when you leave the office, is it something that kind of does heal you as you yeah. move
1: forward? Well, I mentioned the, the research in Parkinson's disease and rhythmic auditory stimulation, gait training. Their research has showed, you know, you walk with a rhythmic stimulus for three weeks and the carryover goes for six weeks after that. Mm. So in something like Parkinson's disease, it is degenerative. So you're not going to get better. You might stay it off and you might be able to ameliorate some of the symptoms, but you're not, it's not going to get better. But in the case of like a, a brain injury or a stroke, yes, the effects of music will last. In fact, um, I don't know, years ago, uh, Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, when she was shot, um, lost a lot of her speech, lost a lot of her life. And uh, was treated by a music therapist at Tier Memorial Herman Hospital in Houston. Um, and music therapy, she accredited it and her team with gaining back some of her speech uh, wow. because music can because language is more limited in where it's accessed in the brain and because music is global, it can get to those areas it can change it can bypass the damaged area um, and improve the speech center, you know, uh, connect neural connections for speech in a different area close by. And so, yeah, so it can, it really can last. And, you know, if you're working with lots of music therapists work with children and you're working on social skills, emotional awareness, self-regulation, and those things do get better. in in most cases, you know, it just depends on the person and the diagnosis. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that with kids, too,
0: because, again, you have the opportunity to really shape how a child's brain develops. And so if if a child has, let's say, behavioral issues and they don't know how to understand their emotions and maybe they're lashing out because they have this feeling inside that they don't know how to express. Mm -hmm. Is that where someone uh, like you or a music therapist can come in and, and deal
1: with it in that way? Absolutely. What came to mind when you were describing that, that scenario is a drum because some of that are a problem when you can't regulate your emotions and when things are overstimulating, you might um, get very excitable, very agitated, very angry. I mean, kids do throw things sometimes if that, if they're at that state. Um, and if you have something musical, an instrument like a drum where you can even play as loud as you can on that drum, this is going back to what we kind of talked about meeting somebody where they are. So say you have a student, uh, a, I would say student because school age student um, who is not able to regulate their emotions, but they practice that on the drum when they're getting upset, they play very, very loud and very, very fast very, very animated. They may um, have a scowl on their face. It's a, emo- it's a socially acceptable way to get off that emotion. Mm. And so as a music therapist, what you would do is you would meet them right there. You wouldn't be like, Oh, calm down. Cause nobody calms down when you say that. <laughs> you know, that's Yeah. That's not a therapeutic technique anyway, to tell someone <laughs> to calm down, but Uh, But then you might join them very, very loud and very, very fast and uh, a scowl on your face. And then gradually you might slow down and you might quiet down and you might relax your face and they may follow you. And so the hope is that the next time they're upset, or maybe not the next time, but in the future when they get upset, they can kind of relate to that, resonate with that feeling of being very um, hyper and loud and very um, hyperactive movements. And maybe they can, the hope is that they will be able to then calm themselves better because they've practiced it on a musical instrument where no one's getting hurt. Um, That would be a good example, I think, of emotional regulation.
0: I'm so glad because that was, that made me understand it a lot better. So tell me if I'm wrong and I might butcher this, but with music therapy, when I asked about the long-term effects of music Mm -hmm. therapy the goal is while you're in a session with someone like you you teach them how to and I know that you work specifically with dementia patients but you know what whatever it is let's say it's depression and you're working with someone with um on depression mm-hmm. You're creating these positive associations with certain types of music and that feeling that that patient can maybe then go out in the real world. And any time they do feel depressed, they can revisit that time where they were able to create a happy emotion with music Mm -hmm. and draw on that and associate with that in the real world. Is that how you have more long terming effects?
1: That is absolutely. Yeah, that would absolutely be one way. And the other way is that music really does just reshape your brain. Because it is so whole brain activity, it really okay. does change Wait, your ex- synapses. Will you will you go deeper into that? How does it actually reshape your brain? Right. Um, okay. So that's a, that is a question that uh, one of my. Colleagues in NMT neurologic music therapy who is uh, up on their training? I've had the training, but it's been decades. Uh, Would be able to answer that more clearly. You should have another segment on music therapy. Um, And so, right, so music changes the brain. Well, if you think about, let's think about how um, when we're anxious, we think of other anxious things, and if we're anxious all the time and we don't come back down. Um, we're just, our brain is just used to being at that level of excitement, that level of anxiety. If you can learn how to bring that level down with music and you do that as often as you can, um, I'm a firm believer of carry through, you know, you can spend 45 minutes with me. And then if I teach you some things that you can keep accessing at home, then you'll have more, um, more chances for your brain to change. You change Mm -hmm. the synapses because when you learn something new, that's what's happening. Um, and in the case of dementia, those synapses began to die as the brain deteriorates. Um, but brain still is plastic it still has plasticity it can still change so if with enough exposure to a stimulus in some cases i can't you know certainly not you certainly can't you know reverse the you know the dementia process or you you wouldn't um, let's say if somebody is missing an area of their brain because of an accident it wouldn't regrow that area but other areas of the brain would take over some of those functions mm. and plastic that's called plasticity and music is a great way to access that plasticity in the brain,
0: right, right. Um, you know, it's it's super intriguing because, again, people people look for calmness, tranquility, a way to deal with depression, anxiety in so many different ways. And, and it's really wonderful to know that they can access that and a better feeling through music. So mm-hmm. I guess my last question for you, Amy, is are there any new practices or
1: developments
0: in music therapy that you're particularly excited
1: about? Mm, that's a great question. There are lots of, you know, the arts in healthcare right now is just exploding as a field. And there's a lot of new research about how important the arts are in general for our brain health, for our physical health, for our, our emotional health. Uh, so there's a lot of new research that's coming out of that right now. There's, um, oh, I should have brushed up on all of the agencies, but the National Institutes of Aging um, and, let's see, the National Endowment for the Arts And some other organizations have been coming together for some new research inspiration. Music therapists are involved in that as well. Um, Because of the clinical aspect of my practice, I don't, I'm not involved in that research. I think I would like to be, but I kind of want to do everything and I can't. Um, So there's some great new research coming out there. And I just think because people are really, you know, music therapists, but also music perception, you know, doctors, neurologists, you know, there's a um, neurologist who are focusing in music perception. When we find more about the ways that typically developing human brains process music, we'll have some new innovations about how a brain under trauma or stress or, you know, or illness or injury could respond um, before. So once we know more about how brain how one's healthy brain in general responds to music, That'll give us a clearer picture about how a diseased brain might um, benefit differently from music in new ways
0: Mm, wow. So much excitement coming up in this industry and and I'm excited to keep following along. And Amy, you've been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much thank for you. coming on. Um, Hopefully all your kids got home okay from school. And yeah. uh, um, again, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And, and you're doing such great work with your patients with dementia as well. So, um, you know, God bless you for what you thank do. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been fun. All right, if you missed anything from class, these are my office hours, and here are some top takeaways about music therapy. Number one. Music therapy has really been around for decades, and it has ties to World War II. Back in the day when they were trying to heal World War II veterans, they found that music actually helped the veterans heal faster. So that was kind of the beginning of music therapy. Number two. One of the benefits of music therapy is that music happens at a sub-language level. That basically means that it doesn't require language or verbal communication in order to engage in it. Now, while a participant might not be able to express how they feel through words, they can use things like body language and emotions during sessions to signal how the music might be affecting them. And number three, while music therapy might not be able to completely hear something like Parkinson's or dementia, it can can be used to help taper some of the symptoms, which obviously can go a long way with these patients who are dealing with such hard things on a day-to-day basis. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on music therapy. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app. From
1: the Fox News Podcasts
0: Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the
1: Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com.